Hey guys, my name is Pastor Greg. I'm the youth pastor here at Living Northern Road. And today we're going to talk about how a rock in the desert represents Christ in our lives. So grab your Bibles, grab your notebooks, let's get going. Welcome back to Nation. Real quick, right where you are, why don't you turn to the side? Say hi to someone, give them a fist bump. If you're by yourself, pause the video, go say hi to someone, go hug your mom, go hug your dad, tell them thank you, tell them that you love them. Do, some, do something to show love to someone else right now. Just real quick, just this is something that I actually do here at our online service. Just real quick, if you guys who are familiar with our services, I do this every single time right before the preaching to make sure you guys understand that you are loved and that you're not by yourself. And today we're diving into part six of our series. Throughout this series, we've talked about Abraham and Isaac, his son, and how Abraham was obedient and no matter how hard the action was and how Isaac was obedient no matter how much he didn't understand what was happening. And then we talked about Noah and how the ark represents Christ and how the only way to receive salvation is through Christ himself. And there was only one way to salvation, that was to get on the boat, get, to get on the ark. And God was the only one in control of that salvation. And in this case, Jesus is the only way to God. Jesus is the only way to get salvation through Jesus. That's how you get salvation. And then we talked about Joseph and how Joseph was rejected by his own people at the beginning of the story when he was a young boy and he was sold into slavery and how at the end he was in control of who ate what and how much food people were going to get. And when his brothers came, the people who rejected him came to ask for food. Joseph showed mercy and grace and love. And it's how, how Christ shows love towards us, how Christ shows love, and how, it's how Christ shows mercy and love and grace to us. Last week, we talked about Moses and his interaction with the burning bush and how Moses represents Christ to, as a savior to his people. But right where you are, we're gonna, before we jump into the story, I want, you, I want us to pray before we go into this. Let's bow our heads, close your eyes, and let's pray. Father, we invite you into our homes. We invite you to be with us as we hear your word today. We ask you to open us up for what you have for us, that we may receive what you are telling us, that your spirit flow within our homes. And God, we're asking you to transform us, to change us, that this word fall on good soil and you grow it, Lord. We thank you already for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you, God, for everything that you're about to do. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. We all said, amen. Just a quick reminder, we're going over types of Christ in the Old Testament. Now, a type is a prophetic symbol that represents Jesus. A type of Christ is a representation of Jesus in the Old Testament. Right? And today, we're going to look at Moses again and how he's doing in the desert. Now, if you want to grab your Bibles, we're going to go to the book of Exodus, chapter 17, verse 6. And it says like this, Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water will come out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. Now let me give you some background. If you don't know the story of Moses, spoiler, he succeeds in the mission God gave him in the previous episode that we had, right? Where the story of uh, God sent him to save his people. God sent him to Egypt to liberate the, the Israelites from the Egyptians' uh, grip. And God used a series of plagues to make sure Pharaoh let go of the Israelites. And Moses led about 2.5 million people out of Egypt. Now, to put that into perspective, now here in the Rio Grande Valley, right now we're in Mission, Texas, and we're part of the Rio Grande Valley, and the Rio Grande Valley goes all the way from Brownsville all the way to Rio Grande City, to Roma, wherever you want to be, wherever you want to call it. But all this area from Brownsville, South Padre Island, all the way to Rio Grande City, to, to Roma, and all those areas, we have about 1.3 million recorded people on paper. 
Okay? Now, now, just to put it into perspective, Moses led twice the population of the valley out of Egypt and into the desert. Right? That's a lot of people. And so this is what Moses had to deal with. This is the people that Moses had to deal with. This is how big the, the nation grew and how, how grand the, the nation grew. This is how big the nation grew and how grand the nation grew. And on the way out, Pharaoh sent his armies with chariots and horses to follow his people to get the Israelites back. And the story goes that God leads Moses to the Red Sea. And at the Red Sea, God asked Moses to raise a staff. And the Bible says that overnight, the water split. And the next morning, that the people of Israel walked across on dry land. On dry land. Now, if you've ever been next to a beach or next to a water source that hits the ground, it takes a little, bit, uh, uh, takes a little while for the ground to dry up. But no, God, the Bible says that the people walked across on dry land. So that was a huge miracle. And the Israelites walked across on dry land. And then what happened next is that the Pharaoh's people began following them. And as they walked across the dry land also, God closed up the sea and swallowed up his people. The Israelites got away safely. But now they were going into an uncomfortable place. They were going into the desert. And throughout this moment, we see different miracles happen. We see God send a pillar of fire by night so they can guide them as they walk through or, or so they can see. And in the day, he sends them a pillar of clouds to give them shade. Right? He even sends them manna. Right? He sends them uh, bread from heaven. He sends them quail, meat that they could eat. And so many times, he sent them all these different things. as miracles that occurred by God's hand. The people of God saw miracles from God. I point all this out because of where the story starts and where the story happens. They have seen the hand of God move. They've seen God do miraculous things. They've seen God provide food out of nowhere. They've seen God provide shade out of nowhere. They've seen God provide light out of nowhere. And yet this is what happens next. They're in the desert and they get to a place where there's no water and they begin to get thirsty. 2.5 million people get thirsty. That's a lot. And these 2.5 million people, they get so thirsty that they go up to Moses and they tell him, you have brought us out here to die of thirst. They were complaining because they were so thirsty. You have brought us out here to die of thirst. They were frustrated. Doubt had overtaken their hearts. Again, they have seen the miracles of God and yet they still doubted God. Take note that even after God does miracles in our lives, that doubt can creep into our hearts. God's people were in a desert and they felt troubled. So before we keep going, let's ask the question, how did we get here? Have you ever asked yourself that? You've been a moment in life, you're doing something, you're doing a, just a simple task and you realize, man, how did I get here? I ask myself that question every single time I'm here. I ask myself that question a lot. Because I'm a mission, and now I, I, truth be told, one day I said the words, I'm never moving to the valley. I said those words, and I promise you I meant them. That I'm never moving to the valley, but I'm here now. But God got you to where you are, and you begin to remember all these things, and how you had to get through those things in order to get to where you are right now. You know, estuviera, and I don't know where I would be if I didn't have you here with me, as the song goes, right? God has been good because in the midst of everything that's going on, we're still here. So the question has to be asked, how did we get here? Moses asked the question, how did we get here? Let's answer that question. God was leading Moses. Moses was leading God's people. God led Moses into the desert. Moses led God's people into the desert. 
A couple things to note about how they got there. Back before Israel became a nation, back whenever in the story of Joseph, right, there was only about 70 people in that nation that they had, 70 people in that family. But Genesis chapter 46, verse 3 says this. This is God's talking to Jacob. He says, he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you a great nation there. Verse 4 says, I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also surely bring you up again, and Joseph will close your eyes. I bring this up because I want you to see how they got there. Right? As desert is usually a dry and waterless place, a place that barely has any life, it's compared to a place of torment. It's an undesirable place, a place where you don't want to be. Yet this is where God led his people. There have been many times in my life where I felt like I was going through a spiritual desert, where I felt like uh, things dried up, my faith dried up, I felt like giving up, I didn't want to do anything, I didn't feel God, I didn't want to be anywhere near a church. There have been moments where that has happened to me, but God has gotten me through those places. And this is where the place where God has lead, was leading his people, a desert place, a spiritual desert place. This is the place where God was leading his people, a place that had no life, a place that was so hot, a place that it seemed like there was no end to it. But this is where God was leading his people, a place so dry. This is the place where God was leading his people. Never forget that if you're in the will of God and you are going through a time of trouble, that God will take you out of that place. If God takes you there, he's going to take you out of it. If God gets you into trouble, he's going to get you out of that trouble. If God is taking you through trials, he's going to get you out of those trials. Be encouraged because God God said, told Jacob, I will go down with you to Egypt and I will also surely bring you up again. God says, I will surely bring you up again. This is why this message is titled the Desert Academy, right? It's God's school, right? Because this is the desert that God used to help us grow, to break us down to the point where we can only trust him and him alone. Are you going through a desert today? You're not alone. Are you going through a desert today? How did we get here? God led us here. At the beginning of this pandemic, everyone was troubled that they couldn't come to church and they couldn't come to worship God. People felt like they were in a dry desert. People still feel pain that they can't come to church yet because churches haven't opened completely yet. We have so many guidelines we have to follow. Even here, we haven't even opened yet, but we're going to open soon. But people feel pain that they can't be in church because they always say that, oh, it's not the same. It's a desert. It's a desert. I'm telling you right now, it's a desert. Have faith. Trust God. And surely he will be with you. We are here because we have followed God. How did we get here? God led us here. Moses was following God and God led them to a place where there was no water. Now remember the situation of God's people. They were so fed up with the desert that they began to say, you have brought us out here to die of thirst. Now, I don't know about you, but I call that an exaggeration. Maybe they were being a little bit too dramatic. Again, on this side, we read the whole story and we see the miracles God did. But when you're there, you forget. And I feel like that's sometimes what we do. We see what God has done in the past. We see what God has done before in our lives. Yet when trouble comes, we feel and we doubt God. That we can't trust him anymore. That we got to do things on our own because we can't trust him. 
God says in verse 6 at the beginning, he says, Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb. God says, I will stand before you. Try to understand how impactful that statement is. I will stand before you. They were out in the desert and God and Moses had constant communication. I need you to understand that and get that, that Moses and God had a relationship where they spoke back and forth. And yet God still had to tell Moses, I will stand before you. In other words, I am with you. Now I have a dog. His name is Flash. You might see him on my Instagram or some of the pictures on Snapchat or whatever. But he gets started getting he started getting scared of thunderstorms. He never was before, but for some reason he just started getting scared of thunderstorms. And not rain exactly, but whenever you hit that big thump, right, it shakes the whole building. Those kind of thunderstrikes. And what he started doing is that he wanted to go into the bathtub to feel protected. But here's the thing: he would look up. We would leave the door open. He would look up. And he'd start to bark or he'd start to whine until one of us went over there, mainly me. And when I went over there, he began to calm down. This is what was happening to Moses. Things were so tense. Death was being thrown around like it was a normal word. You see, when my dog is with me, he doesn't think of the storm. He calms down. So God told Moses, I am with you. I stand before you. God was reminding his people that he was with them. God was reminding Moses of the same thing, that the people were blaming Moses for bringing them out. But God says, behold, I will stand before you there at the rock at Horeb. We're in the desert, but God is with us. Repeat that with me. We're in the desert, but God is with us. We're in the desert, but God is with us. This is what was next for Moses. God told him he was before him. An opportunity was about to come up. When God says, I am with you, understand that God's about to do something with you. Never have been told by God saying that I am with you and nothing happened. You go look in scripture and read. Every single time, every single moment God says, I am with you, what happens next is an opportunity for faith to be practiced, an opportunity for you to follow God, an opportunity for you to say yes to God. So I'm telling you now, we're in a desert. God is telling us he's with us. So get ready because something's about to happen. This is what was next for Moses. Moses was in a place where he was getting death threats. God tells him, I'm with you. Don't worry, I got you, I'm with you. I got you, I'm before you, I stand before you. So let's read about that opportunity. Exodus chapter 17, verse six says this, Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water will come out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. God told Moses to do what? God told Moses to strike the rock so that water can come out of it. Literally, he got his staff, struck a rock, and water flowed from it. Moses did as God asked him to do. Right? Let's take that moment to realize how much of a miracle that is. That he, he took a wooden staff and he struck a rock and water flowed from it. Water does not flow through a rock. In fact, if water flowed through a rock, then a stream would be present and some sort of water source would be present. But it wasn't. It was a dry place, a desert place, a very dry place. And God told Moses to strike the rock and water flowed from the rock. God again provided for his people. 
See, that rock provided water, and that water gives life. Even within ourselves, from our day-to-day lives, it's important for us to drink water. If we don't have water, then we die. That rock, Moses struck the rock, and water flowed from the rock. Now water represents life. This rock provided water that gives life. Jesus says that everyone who is thirsty and comes to him shall never thirst again. Jesus gives life. Jesus is life. And right now, we're in the desert, and we need life. Our faith is being tested. And it's in these moments that we either fold and doubt God, or we either stand our ground and believe in God's word. We believe no matter what he says. We believe in the truth of scripture. So the question is here, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? Do you hunger to hear the word of God? Do you thirst for the word of God? Do you thirst for his presence? Do you thirst to be with him, to find life again and again, over and over again? Come to the one who gives living water. Come to Jesus. Surrender your life to Christ. He is the one who gives living water. And when you drink of the water, you will never thirst again. You may be stuck in the desert, but God wants you to come and drink from the living water. You see, I want you to understand that this isn't an invitation to leave the desert. No, this is a reminder that while we're in the desert, we have to lean on Jesus, that we have to come to Christ, that we lean on Christ when things don't make sense. We lean on Christ when things don't seem to go our way. We lean on Christ when we don't understand anything around us. We lean on Christ when we feel so spiritual dry that we want to give up. We lean on Jesus. Remember, God is the one who led you there in the first place. God is the one who took you there in the first place. And because he took you there, he's going to take you out of it. Listen to the word of God. I will take you down to Egypt, but assuredly, I will take you out of it. I'll leave you with this story. Some years ago when we were in college, I was part of the leadership of a college ministry called Chi Alpha. The thing about this ministry is that it usually has a campus pastor or someone who takes care of, or takes this on full time and does what this ministry needs to do. We didn't have that. It was just us students, us kids, leading this ministry. And don't get me wrong, we asked for it. We prayed and prayed and asked for it. We asked for some for, for the Chi Alpha headquarters to send someone. It was okay. You see, at most, sometimes throughout the year, we would have 20 students show up to our meetings. But faithfully, we had about 13, 12 students who had faithfully come to our meetings. And I'm grateful for everyone that was a part of it because so many awesome things happened within that ministry. We met so many good people. And yet those people are still doing God's work and it's just awesome to see. So we did this semester after semester after semester, leading it as students. Every Thursday night, we were meeting a meeting, and we would preach the Word of God. We would worship God. Semester after semester, we would do this. It was hard for us. See, the leaders, it was hard for us to lead that ministry and at the same time focus on our studies. Some of our classes would suffer. It takes time and dedication to lead a ministry like that. So we prayed and prayed for a campus pastor. We prayed for someone to, to come help us. We never got an answer back. Well, we got some answers, but they weren't what we wanted to hear. We were going through a desert. 
We should have got discouraged, but it only made us believe in God more. It made us believe in our faith and practice our faith even more because we saw the things God was doing within our ministries. We saw the things that God was doing within our small groups and in the churches that we attended. We saw God do great things with that ministry. Even though we were few, God was doing mighty things. In the midst of this desert, one day we heard that they wanted to send someone to help us out. We were very grateful, but we didn't fully understand that they were sending someone to take over the ministry. We felt hurt because we felt like someone was stealing something that belonged to us. We were wrong. You see, Chi Alpha, it's a ministry that belongs to God. It's not any ministry belongs to God. It doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God, so He does what He wants to do with it. But at the time, we felt like it was being stolen from us. We were hurt. And as much as it hurt, we let it go. Even in that desert, we still prayed for those leaders. We still prayed for the next leadership. We still prayed for the ministry. We still prayed for anyone who attended those meetings. We didn't realize we were only a step in God's plan for greater things. You see, because within a year after that happened, Chi Alpha had a full-time campus pastor and a full staff to support what was about to happen with that ministry. And we hear stories, we hear so much stories about how their meetings are over 100 people strong. And it didn't start, it didn't matter if it was 100 people or it was 80 people, whatever it was, but the word of God was being preached. And we see videos online on how the word of God is being preached out in the courtyard and how there's baptisms going on in public and how people are knowing Christ. We were in a desert and we prayed for God to show up and we didn't see it and we didn't get to see the fruit of it but we were a step in that great plan. God came through. God showed up. I tell you this story because it's in the desert where we feel like we're going to lose the most. It's in the desert where we feel where we lose the most. But it's in the desert where God changes us the most. Wherever the river flows, there will be life. Are you thirsty? Come, drink from the water. Do you need a fresh outpouring of God's Spirit? Come and drink from the living water. Come to Christ. Surrender your plans to Him. Surrender your life to Him. And come to the living water. To the rock out in the desert. To the rock of salvation. Come to Him. Come to Christ. Because it's only in Him we find life. So wherever you are, I want to pray. I want to pray for you. If you feel like you're in a desert, I want to pray for you. If you feel like you need a fresh anointing, I want to pray for you. If you feel like you're you're not even feeling God right now, and you feel like you're so alone, I want to pray for you. Let's bow our heads. God, I thank you, God, because you're so good to us. You've been so faithful when we've been faithless. You've shown up when we feel like we haven't. God, right now we're going through a desert. We feel like we can't find a way out. We feel like we don't see the end of this. God, but you say different. 
Even in the desert, God, you show up. Even in the desert, God, you move. Even in the desert, God, you do miracles. You do wonders and signs, Father God. Even in the desert, you are still here. God, remind us. Remind us today that even in our homes, God, you can move. Even in our homes, God, we can worship you. Even in our homes, God, we can speak in tongues, Father God. We can even in our house, God, we can worship you. Even in our house, God, we can, we can bow down to you. We can cry out to you, God. You've given us life. You have given us life and liberty and freedom to do the things that we need to do, Father God, for your name. God, don't let us sit still just because we feel like we're in a desert. Don't let us sit still, Father God, just because we feel like we can't see you. Those who lack faith, God, give them faith. Those who lack wisdom, God, give us wisdom. We need you, Jesus. We need you more today than we needed you yesterday, God. We need you more. Remind us, God, that you are the life. Remind us, God, that you are the life. God, I pray for those who don't know you. That if they want to know you today, Father God, that they accept you into their heart. That they confess with their lips, Father God, that you are Lord. God, I pray for those who are struggling. Who can't seem to find their faith in you in these troubled times. Who they're so used to hearing a worship song and feeling something. Or they're so used to being in church and feeling something. And they're at home and they feel nothing. God, I pray for those people that you awaken their souls, Father God. And remind them that you are the God who exists everywhere. And that you move wherever you go, Father God. At any time, in any place. God, I ask you for the youth. Awaken the youth. We've been asking for a revival for so long. Name of Jesus, I ask you, Lord. Move them to repent. Move them, Father God, to, 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 to seek your to seek your word, to seek your presence. Jesus, we love you. We honor you greatly, Father God, because you've been so good to us. You're not done with us yet, God. You're not done with us. You're not done with this place. Remind us of your love, God. Fill our minds with your love. Fill our minds, God, with your presence. We need you, Jesus. We love you and we thank you, God. We thank you, God, for what you've done. We thank you, God, for everything you've done. We thank you, Lord, for what you're about to do. And we just cast our prayer. And all said, Thank you guys for watching. I hope today was a blessing to you. If you haven't done so yet, please text D-L-A-Y, Clay, to 84576. If you missed that, it's right there. Right. And if you haven't done follow our pages yet, like, subscribe, to keep up with us. Guys, just remember to stay faithful. Right? Stay faithful to each other. Pray for each other. Pray for me. Pray for my wife. Pray for the leadership of our church. Right? We love you. We miss you. And every day, we're getting closer and closer to seeing you guys. Right? Pray that we return soon. And guys, we'll see you next time.